Good morning, everyone. Welcome to this week's Highway Community Podcast. This morning, we are continuing our new teaching series for Lent entitled RSVP, where we are exploring the six petitions of the Lord's Prayer and how they actually serve as an invitation to pray with Jesus during this season of soul-searching and repentance. An invitation for us to examine ourselves, consider the things that we rely on, assess the things that are holding us back, and hopefully respond, if you please, to the various ways that God's Spirit is inviting us to engage with Him. Last week, we talked about the posture that pervades the Lord's Prayer and how Jesus teaches us how to pray with humble boldness. And this morning, we are going to look together at the first of the prayer's six petitions, Hallowed be your name. Now, hallowed is a word that's not really a part of our modern-day lexicon. In fact, I think it's probably safe to say that for most of us, it's a word that we would likely not be familiar with at all if it wasn't for the Lord's Prayer. To hallow means to praise, or honor, or exalt, or magnify, or glorify. And so to hallow carries the idea of setting something apart, carries the idea of making something holy. In other places in Scripture, this same word is translated as sanctify. And here in Jesus' prayer, we see that what we are specifically invited to make holy, what we are specifically invited to praise and honor and magnify, is God's name. Last time, we noted how one of the ways that we see Jesus inviting us to pray from a posture of humble boldness is through the mood of the verbs in his prayer. All of the verbs in the Lord's Prayer are commands. And so the spirit of Jesus's prayer is not one of hedging or pleading or careful qualification. The spirit of Jesus's prayer is that we're commanding God to do these things that we are asking, which I think can be difficult for us to wrap our minds around at first, right? At least it is for me. I have to confess that that is not always the default posture when I pray. And so it is definitely an area of growth to press into. We also noted last time, though, that the boldness of commanding God uh, is importantly tempered in the first half of the prayer by the passive voice. The boldness of commanding God is importantly tempered in the first half of Jesus's prayer by the passive voice, which comes through in our English translation through the presence of the word be. And so it's not our Father in heaven, hallow your name, bring your kingdom, do your will. It's hallowed be your name, right? Your kingdom be coming, your will be done. And that passive voice has the effect of of softening the tone of the commands. 
The, the, the passive voice adds reverence. The passive no, voice acknowledges that ultimately it's only God who can do the things that we are asking him to do. And so when we pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, we are asking God to honor and to magnify and to glorify his name as only he can. Throughout the pages of Scripture, there are more than a hundred names and titles for God. And each one of those names is a revelation. Each one of those names is a revelation of who God is, a revelation of what he is like, a revelation of his character, his attributes, and his personality. And each one proclaims his glory and his fame and his reputation. And so this morning, we are going to pray that God's name be hallowed as we hold up three of the names of God that we find in Scripture uh, and, and look together at how each one emerged from God making himself known and, and even better, from God making himself real in the lives of people. In Exodus chapter 3, Moses was tending his father-in-law's flock when he came to Mount Horeb. And when he arrived there, he encountered something very strange. He saw a bush that was burning, but at the same time was not being consumed by the fire. And when Moses went over for a closer look at what was happening, the bush began to speak. And not only did the bush call Moses by name, but it also revealed to Moses that it was in fact the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob who was speaking to him. And from the burning bush, God called Moses to go to Egypt, get an audience with Pharaoh, the leader of the most powerful kingdom in the world, tell Pharaoh to free the Israelites from their captivity, and then convince the Israelites to follow him out of Egypt and into the land that God had promised them. No big deal, right? And as Moses stood there, understandably terrified, both by what he was experiencing as well as by what he was being asked to do, he asked God, who am I that I should be the one to do this? And Exodus chapter 3 verse 14 says that God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. And so God, over the course of that encounter, completely turns Moses' question around. 
It's not about who Moses is to do all of this. It's about who God is. I am who I am, God says to Moses. I am Yahweh. Literally, I have always been. I always exist. I always remain. I am forever. God was essentially revealing to Moses that he was never created. That that no one had to make him and no one came before him. He is the self-existing one. And all of that was God's way of assuring Moses that there is no other more constant, more trusted, or more worthy of leading him than I am. Yahweh proclaims that God is eternal and worthy of the devotion of every generation. As you consider the name Yahweh, take a moment now to pause and respond to God personally and pray that God would enhance his reputation as the God who is with us and for us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, Yahweh. Another name that is frequently used of God in Scripture is Elohim, the root of which means power. And God's power is most prominently displayed through his creation, which we read about in the opening chapters of the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 1, verse 3 says, And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And that verse begins a pattern that continues throughout the rest of the chapter. A pattern of God speaking, followed by things coming into being. In fact, eight times in Genesis chapter 1, we see that God's word is his agent. Light and darkness, day and night, sea and sky and land, plants and animals, humankind, they all come as a result of God speaking them into being. And so Genesis reveals that God's creation was formed through the power of his word. 
And God's creation continues to testify to his power today. Romans chapter 1 verse 20 says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. Gerard Manley Hopkins was a 19th century British Jesuit priest and poet who wrote at the very end of the Romantic period in England. And one of Hopkins' best-known poems is a poem called Pied Beauty, which is a poem that very much celebrates the experience of Elohim as it marvels at the incredible intricacies of God's creation. Glory be to God for dappled things, for skies of couple color as a brinded cow, for rose moles in all stipple upon trout that swim, fresh fire coal chestnut falls, finches' wings, landscape plotted and pieced, fold, fallow, and plow, and all trades, their gear and tackle and trim. All things counter, original, spare, strange. Whatever is fickle, freckled, who knows how, with swift, slow, sweet, sour, a dazzle, dim. He fathers forth whose beauty is past change. Praise him. As you consider the name Elohim, take a moment now to pause and respond to God personally and pray that God would enhance his reputation as the almighty all-powerful creator of the universe. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, Elohim. In the book of Judges, the Israelites found themselves in a dire situation. Because of their disobedience, God gave them into the hands of the Midianites who oppressed them into such a state of impoverishment that they cried out to the Lord for help. And Judges chapter 6 says that an angel of the Lord came and sat down under an oak tree where a man named Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press 
in an effort to keep it from the Midianites. And Judges chapter 6, verse 14 says that the Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Now, like so many others who God called, Gideon was unremarkable by human standards. He considered his own clan to be the weakest in Manasseh. And not only that, he considered himself to be the least in his own clan. And so Gideon saw himself as the weakest person in the weakest family. And because of that, he asked God to give him a sign in order to demonstrate that he really wanted him to lead his people. Gideon then went and prepared an offering for the Lord and brought it under the oak tree. In Judges chapter 6, verse 20, says that the angel of God said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened bread, place them on this rock, and pour out the broth. And Gideon did so. Then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread with the tip of the staff that was in his hand. Fire flared from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread, and the angel of the Lord disappeared. When Gideon realized that it was was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, Alas, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace, do not be afraid. You are not going to die. Verse 24 of Judges 6 says that as a result of his experience, Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is peace. God brought Gideon peace in the midst of calling him to lead the Israelites into battle against a fearsome and formidable enemy. And he does the same for us today in the midst of whatever circumstances we are facing as well. As you consider the name Jehovah Shalom, take a moment now to pause and respond to God personally. And pray that God would enhance his reputation as the Lord of peace. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, Jehovah Shalom. Father, we thank you for this space to pray with Jesus this morning.
And as we make our way through this season that culminates in the miracle of Jesus' resurrection from the tomb, as we make our way through this season that celebrates the miracle of life coming from death, it makes sense that we begin by remembering who you are and asking you to make your name great among us. And so we pray, God, that in this moment in time in which we find ourselves, a year now into the COVID-19 pandemic, which has been and continues to be marked by fear and uncertainty and grief and loss. As we find ourselves in a time of, of civil unrest over racial injustice, as we find ourselves in a time of, of deep division, uh, politically and, and seemingly in every other way as well, we pray with humble boldness today that you would do what only you can do and make your name great. That you would enhance your reputation. That you would enhance your reputation as the God who is with us and for us. That you would enhance your reputation as the all-powerful creator that you would enhance your reputation as the Lord of peace. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Make yourself known among us as we pray with Jesus. Amen.